there's so much data available on every user, every consumer. And it's not as a anonymous value. It's, it's more of a, an opportunity for individuals and marketers to be able to promote services or products that are aligned with the interest level of that particular prospect. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. My name is Troy Singer, and I'm here with my co-host, Bart Kaler, where each and every week we interview higher ed marketing professionals or service providers for the betterment of higher ed marketers. Today we're going to talk to Roosevelt Smith from eWeb Data on how higher ed marketers can best utilize big data. I know that this is something that you've been talking about for the last few months, and you really wanted to get the message out there for marketers to better utilize the data that is available to them. Yeah, Troy, I think this is a, this is a really good conversation. I think Roosevelt has been doing this for several years. And, you know, big data has been around all, all along. You know, we'll talk during the podcast a little bit about what it is and, and where it came from and, and how it's proceeding, especially in, in light of the Internet and, and with, um, with some different things that are going on. But I think it's one of those things that uh, it's, it's going to be a really good episode. I want you to kind of really listen to it because there's a lot to learn about big data and how that can be leveraged for higher ed marketing and how it's already being leveraged in a lot of other places in higher in, in marketing in general in general. And a lot of times I, I, I tell people and, and those of you that are in higher ed marketing, especially if you've been in other marketing fields, if you've transitioned into higher ed, sometimes higher ed can be a little bit behind in marketing techniques and in marketing applications. And uh, big data is probably a, a really good example of an area that a lot of other places are already doing and doing well, and that higher ed could kind of uh, pick up the pace and, and learn from. So I hope that this is going to be a good conversation. Here is our conversation with Roosevelt Smith. Everyone, it's my pleasure to welcome Roosevelt Smith from eWeb Data to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. And before we get into our interesting conversation about using big data, Roosevelt, if you could tell everyone a little bit about your role at eWeb Data and what the company does. Yeah, absolutely, Troy. Thanks for um, the introduction. So I've been the president of eWeb Data now since early 2014. We started out as a uh, data modeling company and also into, of course, website design. We've now uh, kind of bridged the gap in big data analytics and data augmentation. We have a couple of platforms in the space uh, that works with big data analytics and, and basically helping customers uncover their website traffic. So uh, in a nutshell, a 30,000 foot view, that's who we are. Great. Thanks, Roosevelt. It's good to have you on the on the podcast. I know we've we met probably close to uh, about a year ago mm. through some common friends. And so it's good to have you here. And, and uh, in all transparency, uh, Kaler Solutions leverages and uses some of uh, eWeb Data's uh, technology. But I found it fascinating that I wanted to at least have the conversation about what what big data is and, and how it can be used in marketing, how it is being used in marketing. And so we've been talking about big data and throwing around the name here in the last couple of minutes, and people are probably like, okay, tell me what it is. So can you just give us kind of an idea of what big data is and, and how, it's, how it's a part of our lives? 
Yeah, Bart, I think, you know, big data can be comprised of, of different explanations. To, to me, what big data means is an aggregation of, of a lot of data, um, a lot of information that is utilized every day through marketing channels for everything from real estate to e-commerce to automotive dealerships, uh, you name it, big data is used, you know, every day. So that to me is, is kind of what the big data explanation is. And I guess how that correlates to, you know, e-web data is we utilize that information to make the, you know, the, the, the best marketing decisions uh, in real time uh, through several of our platforms. That's great. I, I was introduced to big data probably in 1994, uh, probably about the same time that I did my first website. I was a, a young buck of a designer a couple of years out of college, and uh, I was working for a design firm in Dayton, Ohio, and one of our clients was NCR. And I remember they had this uh, huge server system that they would sell to retailers, and their biggest client at the time was Walmart. And I remember having to do a brochure that it was explaining how whether the, whether the uh, customer paid via credit card or check, or, you know, in, in various ways that they could take that, that connection to that, to that check or that credit card number, and they could aggregate all the customer's behavior at the stores to be able to put together a profile of what the customer purchased. I mean, they, they could, you know, store this for years and, and, and start to develop a bit of a profile to say this particular customer or this particular family has a tendency to buy these brands, has a tendency to do these types of things to to purchase on these days. And they could start using that data in a lot of different ways, whether it would be you know, how to how to, you know, put the store together, how they could, you know, do traffic in the store, all the way to marketing. And so I was really fascinated even at that time, you know, this is 30, 35 years ago, how these progressive companies were using all this data that we were every day just using. I mean, this was before the internet too. And so I have to believe now that even this idea of big data, I mean, we leave such a trail in our wake of, of just information about us, whether we're going to a website and you always, you know, asking about cookies or whether we're, you know, clicking on a link or, or, you know, you know, using our mobile phone, using a, you know, from home, the idea of big data, I guess, Roosevelt is the idea that we're just be, you know, instead of being in the nineties and being able to track a credit card number and a check to apply that to the fact that you just bought, you know, apples at Walmart now, really can track so much other parts of our life, especially when it comes to the internet. I, I totally agree with you, Bart. That That is a very good uh, understanding of it. And from, yes, from where we are today in modern day technology with the capability of being able to, you know, look in sight of, of understanding who your consumer is and, and how they are uh, progressively adapting to your ecosystem or, 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 or you know, basically kind of... Uh, working within your your ecosystem that it has just become fascinating and, and just just in itself and there's so much data available on every user every consumer and it's not as a anonymous value it's it's more of a an opportunity for individuals and marketers to be able to promote services or products that are aligned with the interest level of that particular prospect yeah i was um Recently, we, we recently moved uh, my family and um, we do all of our, uh, we, we cut the cord on cable a few years ago. And so we use all of our streaming devices. And uh, it was interesting to me when we moved that we would be watching like the Hallmark channel or some other, you know, channel on Sling or on um, Hulu or something. And obviously you have the streaming ads that still come across and you can't fast forward through some of those. So you have to watch those. 
But I was fascinated with the fact that the ads that were getting served up were things about gutters and home, a lot of home stuff, a lot of home stuff. There were some things about retired physicians and different things like that. A couple other things about, you know, have parents of teenagers and things like that. And I remember sitting with my wife one time as I started kind of realizing that these ads were not just ads that I would have gotten, you know, two years ago if I was watching the Colts game and, you know, there was a Bud ad and the, you know, the next ad would be, you know, a State Farm and that type of thing. These ads were a lot more specialized to what was going on in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had an older house. I was going to have to replace some gutters. I had an older house. I had to do some roofing. And I realized, and I was talking to my wife, my wife's a retired physician, and I was talking to her and I said, I think all these ads are based on who we are. They know who we are. And they're serving these ads up based on that. So I did a little research and came across, you know, the concept of over-the-top advertising, OTT advertising, which all the streaming channels leverage. And it's, it's, it's leveraging this big data that we talked about that they know that, you know, my house the people in that house have these habits. They've done these things. They have children that are high, high school students. And so they were serving up ads that was customized to the Kaler family and not just thrown out there for anybody. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you're seeing too? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the power behind retargeted ads today is, is you know, far better than what it was even two, three, four years ago. You know, the enhancement value of technology has come so far in advance and I, I am, you know, primarily happy and proud to say that we are on the cutting edge as well in regards to, uh, you know, that that data formula. It's, it's all about capturing the information first, understanding what data is available on the, the particular prospect, and then being able to serve that information, like I said, in retrospect to what you've actively been looking for. So if you've completed a Google search for, you know, gutter installation or roofing, uh, new roofing installation in the past 72 hours, that information is, is tracked. And, and there are thousands of, of, of marketers out there or, or big data aggregators like ourselves, like eWebData, who, who are tracking that information. And, and we try to provide you with the best, you know, pr- promoted product or service available and, and almost real time, you know, because I, I think that window is what's very important too. Uh, you know, as, as a, it may be a longer shot in a, in a roofing estimate, <laughs> Because uh, you are considering, you know, thousands of dollars versus a, you know, a purchase of organic apples versus farm rates. But, uh, you know, there's 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 some coexistence in, in, in your purchase behavior that goes along in that. That's great. And so obviously big data has been around for a while. I mean, we talked about that, you know, from the NCR back in the 90s. And then, you know, there was a book that I read a few years ago, The Power of Habit by Charles Dewing. And then he brings a he talks about Target and some he uses an illustration story about, you know, how Target aggregates data and can actually predict when women are pregnant Mm -hmm. um, and start marketing to them based on on the concept that they know that they're pregnant because of their purchasing habits and the way that they do that. And so I kind of understand that big data is just a big part of our lives. But when I bring it up in the higher ed marketing circles, it's kind of all of a sudden it's kind of like, well, what's that? And why should we do that? And how's that work? And is that legal? Is that ethical? And so I'm, I'm curious because I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing it. They might be calling it different things. I know that I know I've got some competitors that, that have some names for it, that it's basically the same thing. I, I tend to call it data harvesting because it's the idea of, you know, being able to know who's coming to your website being able to capture that data and then being able to turn that data into actionable items and actionable, you know, contact information. And we'll get into that in a second. I know Troy has some questions about that. But I I think that my bigger question is, is that 
for higher ed marketers, this could be a big change because, you know, we do a lot of pay-per-click advertising and, and with, especially with traditional undergrad, there's been years and years of buying lists for search campaigns where, you know, we'll go to uh, the SAT scores or the ACT scores and, and purchase the kids that are, are taking those tests. Mm-hmm. We'll buy their names and then we'll, you know, market to them based on the demographics of, you know, they're in this state, they have this GPA. And so we've been doing that for years as higher ed marketers. But now with test optional, with the pandemic, less kids are taking the test, less schools are requiring the tests. And so all of a sudden, the, where the well that we're going to is, is going smaller. And then not even to think about the fact that the largest part of higher ed marketing is in adult and graduate studies. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot more students in the graduate space and in the online space than there are in the traditional undergrad. But, you know, they're not taking tests. We can't buy lists necessarily. And so we've got to come up with other ways to generate leads. And so I'm guessing that that this big data idea is a way that we can do that. That, that is absolutely correct, Mark. You know, being able to segmentize your search based upon behavior and breaking down the formula is what I call the winning the winning solution. I, I think in the higher ed space it's it's a it's a commonly known you know opportunity for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with you in, in segment in that process. Roosevelt, could you give us an idea of how you're capturing this data? in order to serve it and enable higher ed marketers or any marketer for that matter to best utilize it? Yeah, well, informally used, we, we used uh, what we call super cookies, which was a combination of uh, cookie-based tracking technology. And um, that was used for the last few years within our platform. And basically we were, we were um, you know, counterparts of other website users um, and companies, and they allowed us to install our cookies to be able to track data. And then, of course, we provided them with, you know, intelligent information on their consumers and their prospects. But of course, now with the recent uh, changes uh, in technology with Google and Apple and kind of Facebook now coming forward saying they're, you know, they're going to be doing away with cookies, we have now switched to smart pixel technology. So we're now using a combination of um, some, some some old tech with some new school tech <laughs> foundations. And you know, the, the, the data capture process has always been the same. You know, you, you, you capture the user at the IP level and then you uh, utilize several algorithms and augmentation to figure out who they are in, in a real-time basis. So that's kind of our the basis of our technology today. So just to clarify with everyone, I just want to make sure that, I mean, we're getting kind of technical. What's an IP address? I mean, you know, I've got an idea, but maybe Roosevelt, you can tell yeah, me. Yeah, no problem. So your, your stationary IP address is going to be basically the unique identifier that's provided from your ISP, which is your internet service provider. So Comcast, Xfinity, Verizon, you know, those are all of your ISPs. They're going to give you a stationary IP address. And that, that's what you use as your, your navigation tool as you surf the web. Think of it as a vehicle that you hop into when, you're, when you go to the Google search engine and you plug in, you know, Nike golf clubs and you travel to Dick's Sporting Goods. So that IP address is, is your uh, your vehicle to travel from website to website. So it's kind of like having your license plate. You know, I can I can see your license plate, I can track your license plate, and I know where your license plate's been. And so that's a little bit more of what that IP address is. Great, great, great example. Yes, Bart, you got it. Okay, great. So once you kind of capture that license plate, I mean, you're basically running it against the database as if you know if you're you know the state trooper, I, I you know drive by it you know, 95 miles an hour and he sees my license plate, he's going to then take that license plate 
go to a database and be able to download information about me. Is that is that basically the same thing? Absolutely, yeah. So in, instead of uh, writing you a citation for over speeding, <laughs> we're just going to serve you an ad directly into your your ad feed for those golf clubs that you search for, and kind of have a reverse method. And and you know to think of the speed limit on that highway is the flag that is used by the client. Client it may be ours. It says, hey, we want to know everyone in the last 72 hours in central Indianapolis that have searched a set of Nike golf clubs on the Dick Sporting Goods website. And so when you pass, you know, when you pass by that, that speed trap and, and uh, you know, we pull out to get you, you know, we're serving you an ad in regards to you know, that information. Okay. That's really helpful to know. And so the idea then is that not only do you know that I was searching for that, those golf clubs, but you also can pull up, just like with the, you know, going to our license plate and speeding analogy, they can also pull up, you know, maybe some other history of me, my name, my address, my email, contact information. I mean, I'm guessing that because of the big data, and, and I, I remember you telling me one time, too, that, you know, Dick Sporting Goods might trade data with my utility company. Mm -hmm. And these different places are trading data so that there's like a, you know, a set of Pokemon cards that everybody, you know, trades to be able to get a full profile. Right. What, I mean, what kind of data is out there on me? Just about everything. I, I mean, everything outside of your PII, which is your, your, your personal information, you know, first name, last name, physical address, you know, there's, there's mobile uh, connecting IDs, like your Facebook ID, your Instagram handle, Twitter account, information. And then of course, demographical data. We know that you are a, you know, middle-aged African-American or Caucasian male that is interested in golf. You know, we know that you have, uh, and then there's shared e-commerce data that, which is, which is highly, highly uh, impactful as well. You know, Amazon being the root of a lot of this information is valuable, uh, which they'll share with, you know, big data providers out there. If you ask for a connection to their to their database to their big data portal so we know that you've got a set of those golf clubs in your shopping cart already at amazon.com and you're just kind of price shopping you're looking for the best shipping methods or same day shipping you know so dicks of sporting goods is now going to put 20 percent off with free pickup <laughs> at the store that's 2.8 miles away from your house um, and so that's how the aggregation process works and you know just think about all that being done in real time uh, that's the significant value behind I think big data today. And so you you had told me before, I think there's like 31, 32 points of data that you can do everything from household income to, you know, whether you have children under 18 in the house. I mean, there's just all kinds of things. And I mean, and, and I guess that's one of the things when we talk about higher ed marketing, there's a lot of things that we could, we could, you know, purchase. I mean, in, in essence, we're kind of purchasing our own search list of people who've been to our website, mm -hmm. who we already know show some, you know, some, some sense of leaning toward what we have to sell them, what we have to offer them as a service, in this case, higher education. So being able to actually know that, okay, they already have, they've already arrived at our website. So, you know, maybe a pay-per-click campaign or SEO or something else drove them there. For whatever reason, they chose not to fill out a form, mm -hmm. but I can actually purchase their names because of this pixel, because of this big data. And then I can create a, a campaign of whether it's email marketing or direct mail marketing, I can start to create a campaign that 
that probably needs to be sensitively created. I mean, I don't want to say, hey, we noticed you were on the website and you were looking at this program and we just, you didn't, you forgot to fill out your name and address. So we took it upon ourselves to find, we're not doing that, <laughs> but we're, we're going to do it in such a way that's just like a purchase name as if it were a purchase name for an undergrad. And we're going to go and we're going to do a brand awareness campaign and start to help them understand so that, you know, not only the retargeting ads that they see because they went to the website and they're starting to see the retargeting ads, but hey, they just got a postcard about this and, and oh, they just got an email about it. Wow, it's everybody. And this, this school's everywhere. Wow, I need to check more about this. And so I'm guessing that's a little bit of the way that some of that data can be used. Absolutely, Bart. You hit the nail on the head there. And I, I want to address one, I think, critical point with just... The educational process with big data is that there are still regulations around it. You know, it's not the complete wild, wild west with even big data providers or aggregators like like myself uh, and, and, and my team. There are limits within what information we can capture and what information we, we are, uh, you know, able to, to, to give out to prospects or clients to use for marketing purposes. You know, the, the first step is is clearly consent. You know, you have to gather and capture consent from the user first before you start the augmentation process. And then there's a second layer of what I like to call the, the federal hygiene, which the government stepped in a couple years back when Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, you know, had their, their whole deal. Well, the government said, okay, well now everyone's going to play on the same, in the same sandbox, whether you're Google or whether you're eWeb data. And so they created this, this, this hyper database which basically means that now every all the information we capture on that user, we have to send through the national and state level DNC, which is a do not call, the DNE list, which is do not email, and do not mail list as well, uh, just to make sure that any of those users or prospects that are on those protected lists, we're not able to capture or relay that data. So there, there is a level of protection and privacy um, that we uphold you know, as, as a very high standard within our ecosystem. And, and we really try to teach that to all of our clients to make sure that, you know, everything is done the right way because no, no one wants to be solicited with information they haven't requested. And that's that's never the goal. OK, that's good to know, because I, I think that, you know, I, I had mentioned to you before the before we started recording is that, you know, and again, transparency, I'm, I'm leveraging Roosevelt and eWeb data on some of the projects that we do. But, you know, I had a client where we were, you know, doing a, a pay-per-click campaign and we were going to leverage the pixel to be able to harvest some of the people that did not fill out the form, but actually clicked through, but they didn't understand it. And, and really at the end of the day, did not want to understand it. And it really kind of caused a lot of, uh, caused a lot of consternation for the client because they felt like, oh, this was somehow, you know, shady or dark. And, and I, and I think that the, what you just said is a really good point is that there's, there's laws in place. There's a lot of things in place already. There's uh, privacy that we're taking into account. There's consent. And we've, we've, we are, we are consenting to this, whether we realize it or not by clicking on the cookies and the other things. And there's already, this is happening in every aspect of mm -hmm. our life. And so, you know, you are being you know, this, this is happening. I mean, you can certainly go in and unhook from the internet and, and, you know, do a lot of extra work to do this. But at the end of the day, if you really want to be able to take advantage of the Amazon recommendations, this is part of it. And so, so I think that, you know, educating everyone and helping everybody understand that this is a part of our life. This is a part of the way that e-commerce works. This is the part of the way the internet works. And we can either bury our heads in the sand and keep doing the way the marketing that we've been doing the same way, or we can lean into it, educate ourselves, understand what it is, partner with trusted resources, 
and really make a difference in the way that we're impacting the world with our missions of extending higher education to those who are looking mm-hmm. for it. And so I, I really, you know, part of it, I guess I'm just kind of making a statement. It's probably not a very good interviewer technique, but <laughs> just the idea of being able to say, you know, would you agree with that, Roosevelt? The idea that, you know, we've, we've got we've to educate ourselves and educate within higher education what this is really all about. Absolutely. That, that, that is purely the focus point of understanding the, you know, how to utilize this data every day. And that's always been the challenge. You know, we, we can provide the best data formula and the best data profile out there, in my opinion, and in just about a real time basis for, for any, you know, you know, higher ed, but you know, it's all about how you actionably use that information. And, you know, I, we, we have created partnerships with, with other companies to give you a roadmap. And, and and to give you that 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 modeling, you know, guidance and on, on how to use the data effectively so that you get the maximum result and that you not only do you gain access to your 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 website traffic and you now you're understanding who these people are and what they're doing and why they're doing this on the website, but you're building a relationship. You know, you're, you 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 really step away from a pure transactional model and you become a relationship model based uh, solution, and you know. Proof is in the pudding with years of, of uh, recommended studies that are out there. The more relationship you create with any sort of consumer or prospect, you know, the more they're going to do with you. And, and whether that's, you know, subscribing to your platform or, you know, spending more money with the monthly subscription, it goes hand in hand. Yeah, that's great. And I, I love the fact, too, that it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to business, business intelligence. It's Correct. how smart will we be with the information that we have accessible to ourselves? And... I'll be honest with you, higher ed marketing does this every day already. I mean, we have campus visits. We have people sign up for campus visits. As soon as they sign up, we look in the database and see who they are. Oh, look, they mom and dad went here too, so they're a legacy student, so I know that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that when we're on the tour. Oh, look, they said that they're interested in psychology. Well, I'm going to take them by the psychology department. I'm going to introduce them to Dr. Jones because he's a great dynamic speaker, so I'm using another piece of data that I know about them and I'm going to market to them. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also going to make sure that the student guide, I see that they're from Ohio. So I'm going to pull one of my students who's in the office, the one from Ohio. I'm going to say, why don't you take them? Because I know that you might be able to connect with them and build that relationship. And so I think that what we need to understand as higher ed marketing is you're already doing this. You're already doing this in other aspects of the enrollment and the development cycle. I mean, I know development utilizes tools like Razor's Edge and you can do a study to say, what's the proclivity of somebody giving a large gift? And you can do that data research. You're already doing that as a school. So do not be afraid of something that's a little new and a little different. Thank you, Bart. Roosevelt, as we wind up our episode, what advice would you give a marketer, either an overall marketing executive at an institution or maybe an enrollment leader, their first step if they're intrigued how could they utilize big data or what would be the first thing that you would recommend them doing? I think, you know, the best recommendation is to develop a action plan of how you intend on using that data. That can be through a series of marketing channels. That can be a marketing plan put together um, with several of your colleagues. But, you know, I think the common thing that we see most often, um, and this is with calls that I have on a daily basis, is okay, you know, we get this common quote, your data is awesome, but how do we use it? <laughs> and so I, I think it's, it's it's truly 
the missing piece to this puzzle is, okay, how do we plan to utilize this information? And there are organizations that are out there that can help you plan to use big data every day and, and for it to be highly effective. And, you know, I, I think that is, that is truly the best advice that I could give to any marketing executive or anyone in some, in, in, in anyone within a role of marketing in the higher ed space is to put together a really effective plan before you buy a bunch of data. Thank you, Roosevelt. And I will also add that Bart's organization, Roosevelt's organization, or Think Patented, who I work for, all offer something similar. And we all would love to help anyone take that first step or develop that action plan. But if you wanted to talk to Roosevelt, Roosevelt, what would be the best way someone could reach out and contact you? Yeah, I think the best way, um, you know, you can reach us on our website. That'd probably be the most effective way. You know, I'm carbon copy on just about every reach out portal there. (laughs) Or, you know, feel free to email me directly. It's rsmith at ewebdata.com. And the same thing for our support team as well, support at ewebdata.com. We're more than happy to to talk and to, you know, research and and help you develop a plan. That's that's our goal. We necessarily don't want to sell you data if you're not ready to use it. And so... uh, you know, ultimately, we're looking to build a relationship and to leverage that relationship for better results. Thank you, Roosevelt. Thank you for helping us get this message out. This is a topic that both Bart and I feel that institutions should leverage more. So thank you for enabling us to get that message out there. Bart, do you have any closing comments for us? Yeah, just a very brief one. I think that this is one of those things that it's it's new. It, it and, and a lot of times new and change is, is difficult. I remember when we first, uh, you know, started utilizing the web. People were like, "Oh, I don't know about that thing. We don't, I don't know if we want to ever do anything with that." Well, it, it's going to be a part of our lives, and so I would just encourage everyone to really take a take a hard look at it. You know, reach out to Roosevelt, reach out to you know Troy or myself, and, and have some conversations and just learn more about it. Um, you can certainly do some research online and and educate yourself. But um, I think it's one of those things. It's 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 going to be a marketing tool that is going to continue to grow. And it's something that whether you use it right now, you at least need to be aware of it. Thank you, Bart. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast, which is sponsored by Kaler Solutions, an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company specializing in printing, mailing, and other services for higher ed institutions. On behalf of my co-host, Bart Kaler, my name is Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.